just ask for the if you ask for it, the chaos will come. We can yeah. uh yeah, invite just... the the gremlins Bluetooth misconnection shenanigans. That's unbelievable. Uh well I'm uh I'm happy. Oh, did I just hear you crack a beer? Mm-hmm. Well and a, and a grocery store brand seltzer. So it's uh Oh nice. Raspberry seltzer here. Nice. I've got a, a, a welcome to LA hoppy lager here. I think it's the Golden ah. Road or it's Firestone Brewery. It's a fire one of the Firestone breweries out here. This is a uh, a a Goose Island tropical bear Hello. hug that I'm about to pour all over my laptop. Ooh. And it's clocking in at a nice healthy My God, that is yeah. an aggressively flavored beer. Um, I'm on the other end. I'm a hoppy lager, so I'm not even in IPA territory. But, but uh, I'm 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 barely I'm barely touching six percent uh, as you 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 almost double in uh, percentage by volume. I am right now the test pilot for this this beer. Did you see Trop, Top Gun? Trop. Did you see Tropical Top Gun this week? Trop, tropical Gun? I did not see Tropical Gun. I, I stayed away. I am, okay. I am in the process of, oh God, sorry to get Hollywood, but I'm in the process of auditioning oh. for, for stuff that uh, if, I, if I book it, I would be so mad at myself for getting COVID in uh, a movie theater. So, uh I, I mean that makes this, uh, that makes sense. It's That's the it's reasonable. the best problem to have. It's the best the best possible problem to have. Uh, so what uh what are we what, what what are we talking here? What are you what are you getting yourself uh, into? Ju- just some commercial stuff, and then there's also uh, I mean I'm ju- I'm jinxing it, and then also uh, totally revealing who I am, and uh, I, it's some commercial stuff, and I'm also auditioning for. Uh, a soap opera. There's a soap opera that is uh, that is in the mix. Uh, I'm, I'm there. There are a couple other things out there too, but it's this for folks that don't know. I love this it. Audition process is so ridiculous. Uh, I, I forget about more of them than I remember, uh, so that when if something happens, I'm like, oh shit, that's great. I have a job, and it's something. This is like a dream come true. But I'm like a goldfish, though. I've, I've had to train myself as an actor to be a goldfish with my emotional connection. Um, so you're just you're just rolling in there, and when they're like, "All right, so tell us about yourself," right after you take off your top, uh, and you just you just roll with it at this point, and you're uh, and then yeah, I just black out um, completely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Well, I mean, I'm gonna. Uh, let's let's get into this podcast here, Johnny. We're we're going for it. Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. We are a <laughs> podcast that discusses Formula One fandom are, here. Are in, we? Are we really? Are we? Not uh, you. You'll you'd never be able to tell by the way that this. This episode started, but we are we are a couple of F one fans here in the U.S. Uh, myself, the ooh, here we go. I am an actor, writer, comedian, uh, improviser, Corey Willis. 
Uh, what's up? This is John Lapore. I am a creative leader who's focused on designing the future for uh, your favorite movies and digital products and fun cars and all sorts of other uh, silly stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's uh, that's that's who we are. the The podcast is usually all about F one races as they happen. But as you would know, if you are an F one fan, there was no race this weekend. So uh, we were we're just catching up on Top Gun. I personally, I saw the first Top Gun again after like not seeing it since we were like kids. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, yeah, about. Th- three quarters of the way through the movie uh, i did start asking myself wait what is this movie what why am i watching this what's what's happening Mm -hmm. because i had forgotten that the last little bit of top gun not top gun maverick i'm not spoiling the new one uh but uh it's mostly just about them going to top gun school that's like the whole movie it's just a lot of veiled uh like uh like almost there's almost sexual tension between Val Kilmer and between Tom everybody. everybody. Oh yeah. Just everybody between, in the entire movie flooded with even like Tom Skerritt. There's yes, sexual tension yes. there. It's, yes. uh, it's, 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 it's all over the place. The whole, the whole movie is like, it's so insane. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I uh, it. yeah. I mean, and, and looking back at it, it's, uh, it, so I, I rewatched it uh, a week or two ago. And yeah, yeah. I was taken aback by like how little actually happens in the movie, how much mm-hmm. it is just like, oh, yeah, it's just them at like fighter jet school and getting like saved by the bell angsty with each other. Yeah. At fighter yeah. jet school playing volleyball like, talking, in your jeans and whatnot, and you know, talking so close. I get that movies need to be framed. I as as an actor, I can understand that there is a false thing that happens where they put us closer together when we're on camera because it just it looks better but these were some of the most tightly framed shots like if they just pivoted the camera a little bit uh in either direction it would look like it was like just a big tom cruise kissing val kilmer or a slightly bigger uh val kilmer kissing tom cruise because of forced perspective like it's it's that close like it's so wild um but I mean, it's it is also, you know, like th- we, we've seen that even in uh, the Fast and the Furious movies. There's these yes. like, scenes and these moments where Vin Diesel and The Rock, they get like so close to each other with smoldering uh, aggressive intensity towards one another that they wait until like they get so close that the droplet of sweat on the tip of each of their noses <laughs> like touch together and merge into a singular sweat droplet. And they're just like, still not touching, but the sweat's touching. But this is how close. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Um, all right. So let me let me try and steer this vaguely uh towards hey, we're doing it. We're doing um, it. Towards towards Formula One. Um there is uh so so talking about Top Gun Maverick mm-hmm. and and whatnot. Um, there is in production right now in, in Hollywood or in pre-production which is a tricky thing. Pre-production does not mean that anything is happening. It means this is something that could fall apart at any moment. This basically means as, as again, I can say as someone, and you can say this too, as someone who's been involved in the pre-production process 
uh, like as far flung from it as possible, but still a necessary cog in that machine. Uh, like the pre-production process can be as simple as a couple of burritos at a like at a burrito truck, uh, where mm-hmm. people are just discussing things. So when you say pre-production meetings, that, that could be literally someone who is like standing behind two people at a taco truck while they talked about, yeah, we should make like uh we should make this, this thing. So yeah, that's, that's the framing of this is. And, yeah, and to keep it all, to keep it all connected, this mm-hmm. is potentially the next film from the director of Top Gun Maverick, Joseph mm-hmm. Kaczynski. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, really interesting director. He's made a bunch of really crappy movies, but there always is something really visceral and stunning and exciting. He made uh, Tron Legacy. Uh, that yes. was actually his first uh, feature film that he ever made. Uh, he's made a whole bunch of other films since then. But his next film is slated to be a film about Formula One mm-hmm. starring Brad Pitt. Uh, so we're talking like epic big scale mega blockbuster movie star sort of stuff. Now, honestly, I'm guessing that this whole thing is going to have a high probability of falling apart solely because of, and this is counterintuitive, but solely because of the insane success that Top Gun Maverick is having, which I think is going to mean that director Joseph Kaczynski is going to go from having some really awesome opportunities in front of him to having the opportunity to make anything in the entire world that he wants to make. And, you know, they'll be saying, you want to make a Marvel movie. You want to make a star Wars movie. You want to make, you know, whatever. Um, But uh, you know, that maybe there's a, maybe throws his weight behind uh, that F1 film. And because Brad Pitt is talking about being a part of it in front of the camera, that dude does not do anything unless he is part of the production of that too. So, and Brad Pitt is, one of the most powerful producers. Uh, it's a little known fact, or maybe it's like a massively known fact outside of the the entertainment industry. But Brad Pitt produces so much stuff that you would never He's imagine. He's hooked in tightly with like uh, with um, Steven Soderbergh and yeah. you know, George Clooney and whatnot. They've got their like, own whole literally anything of, and of everything. Mega stars and directors. Yeah, it's like just, the, the oceans. Yeah. The Ocean's Eleven squad <laughs> is actually a thing in real life. And instead of doing heists, they just figure out ways to get movie studios to pay them to hang out. And like pull off incredible movies and pull off Mm -hmm. and Brad Pitt is, is responsible. This is something that I'm, I'm very much keyed into as a, a black actor and someone who wants to make stuff. He gets, he throws his weight behind movies that normally would not be produced or brought to studios uh, that are, usually people of color uh, or marginalized voices. Mm-hmm. So he does like a really good job of that. So it's not just that they, I mean, I, it is still <laughs> like a rat pack, a bunch of uh, folks like oceans 11 style hanging out with Brad Pitt, constantly eating something. But it, I'm, it's also the fact that he does some really cool stuff uh, in Hollywood that, uh, that, that I appreciate. So I, I can, we can keep our fingers crossed for that, that that will be something that manifests down. The yeah, road. I think I think that's pretty exciting. And I there's been discussion of uh, Lewis Hamilton being closely involved mm-hmm. in uh, in the in the film. Um, the and my understanding is that it's actually Apple 
is has bought the rights to this film and so Great. they'll be you know they'll be behind the scenes pumping all sorts of money into it and and all of that funny thing is that uh, this actually isn't the first time that brad pitt and joseph kaczynski took on the endeavor making a racing film they started making the film version of go like hell which is the uh, aj bame oh. novel about the the four GT winning at the 24 hours of Le Mans. And while they were in production, they basically just got beat out, uh, you know, in terms of their progress mm-hmm. by Ford versus Ferrari, which were making the exact same story. Yep. They actually kind of scumbagged AJ Bame, who wrote the, the, yeah. you know, the go-to book about the, these, these events. And, it's and usually whatnot. how it happens. But, yeah. <laughs> but they got there they got their movie out and uh, and all that so yeah sorry geeking out on movie stuff as uh you know one of one of our uh favorite things to get into outside of formula one but uh to me love to hear about the the idea of like a big scale f1 movie coming yeah. together and i think certainly with the meteoric rise in uh attention being garnered on the sport uh, I would I would have to imagine that this would just continue to keep that momentum going in the yeah. United States and in the well, grand scheme of things. Even before the 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 rise uh, in popularity of Formula One, there was that movie that was directed by Ron Howard, uh, the the Nicky Lauda James Hunt story. Yep, Rush, uh, and yeah. that was that that had a bunch of stuff. I mean, that had Hemsworth and who's the, the guy who played uh, Nikki Lauda? Uh, uh, D- Daniel Brule. Daniel, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good. It's Baron really Zemo, uh, in, yeah. Uh, yeah, in, in, Re- in the really Marvel. solid movie. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a great movie. Yeah. 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 As a fan, really, like, really solid flick. But I, I also felt that it's sort of like that movie. It sort of came out as like a very like, you know, sleepy, quiet, you know, uh, this is, this is a, a movie that's playing. Uh, it's it's a packed house for the like seniors matinee at the theater. Yeah, and yeah. wasn't really getting a ton of. I and I think it may have gotten like a, a couple of Oscar nominations, particularly for like technical awards, like sound uh, editing and, and things like that. But otherwise, didn't really break through the mainstream. But I think you know if if they if Joseph Kaczynski stays with it, if Brad Pitt stays with it, this thing's going to be a. It's yeah. going to be a huge white hot thing, especially being tied into this sort of like up and coming hot new sport that people left and right are are learning about. Um, exactly. So exactly, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep with the sort of entertainment thread. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, there's been some other stuff that has popped up on my radar. Yesterday, I saw popping up on Twitter, um, the rights for broadcasting formula one in the united states are not sealed for 2023 for next season really so not not the commercial rights not liberty media not liberty media but who can broadcast the races in the united states okay so we can so espn currently has it yeah Um, yeah and i have to see there's some sort of deal that ESPN currently has that is it's it's kind of a bizarre thing like it's a like really broadcast? like 
The Bunch? broadcast deal that ESPN has is it's a tiny deal. I think they are spending, I want to say it's like $5 million or something a year Whoa. to have the right to broadcast Formula One in the United States. And so oh, I, yeah, I put that out the, there for reference yeah. because supposedly the – ESPN's bid for next year is $70 million. That is their current bid, and it has not been accepted yet. And so uh, what I read is that ESPN is currently in competition with NBC Universal, who previously had the rights uh, to broadcast in the United States. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're paying significantly less than $5 million a year. At, at also, NBC Universal has uh, has the Olympics, so like they're they already have a tried and true international uh, um, audience that's built in and network to tie in with other international broadcasts. So that could get. I mean, they could. This is all. I mean, very like back back room corporate stuff, but it, it does. It has it has a a, a significance because the way that formula one is broadcast here in the U S is kind of shoddy right now. It is not kind of, it is incredibly shoddy uh, to the point of where I pay for F one TV because I was just like, you know what? I'm done doing this whole, like, uh, hopefully I can watch the race this weekend or hopefully the bar that uh, the meetup is at isn't overcrowded or the bartender actually honors the meetup and agrees to broadcast the race and the sound uh, instead of like watching the sound to an MMA fight while (laughs) a race is happening. I'm just being like, oh, this is a nightmare. Um, So yeah, I think it it will make a huge difference uh, depending on who has the rights to broadcast this thing. And so it's interesting to see where this could go. So we've got ESPN currently has a bid in mm-hmm. NBC Universal is supposedly interested as well. Mm-hmm. But the two other big incumbents are Amazon and then probably the biggest threat or the biggest competitor in this space, Netflix. Yeah. And I think that's particularly fascinating because I think we can all imagine like, okay, Netflix, there's a there's a connection there with Drive to Survive and then being able yeah. to broadcast the races. It would be Netflix's first time ever yes, doing a live sports broadcast of any kind, which I think is really interesting that this would be the one. And, you know, I mean, to me, I, I kind of, you know, I, I think everybody's got all different kinds of opinions about it, but I would kind of welcome it being a sort of technological breakthrough for Netflix for them to carry the broadcast oh, to so broadcast it live. Well, it's, as, as someone who has the F1 TV app now that works, it's also F1 TV works via the Amazon uh, Fire Stick. So that's what I watch most of my races. How is it? I, You know, I've actually never subscribed to it because I'm pretty happy with the, the ESPN setup, especially because they don't do commercials and it's you're getting the you're getting the Sky Sports feed, which I think is yeah. like the which best what you're getting. feed in the yeah. in the world. Yeah, um, it's it, we get the same feed you have. But the, it I like this version of it. I like F1 TV specifically because 
it has like so much extra content in addition to right. the races itself. It carries all the the uh, a- uh, analytical shows from every weekend. It absolutely does a great job of breaking that stuff down. It has multiple broadcasts that you can pop into so you can swap back and forth between the Sky Sports feed and like the uh, pit lane feed. Um, mm-hmm. So you get to hear different versions so if like you miss something or if something is missed on screen, you can rewind, swap over to the other broadcast and be like, oh, yeah, they definitely covered it over there. So there's that. Uh, and then there's all the entire archive of every race that has ever been broadcast. And yep. that includes races like I think all the way back to 1986 is the first race that is in their archive. Right, 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 right. So like yep. I've watched quite literally every Grand Prix that has ever been broadcast, especially during the pandemic, especially during like the downtime. I was like, oh, I can just go and watch every race and not be bored uh, and mm-hmm. not be at a lack for, uh, of, of, of content. Uh, so it's, and it's like 80 bucks a year. It's not that expensive. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it, for me, it's it's worth it. If is it, is the is the quality great. of the feed been smooth and reliable and yeah, and whatnot? Not a lot of hiccups or anything. I mean, there's some stuff, but it's that's just as bad as what I had seen on NBC Sports. Uh, I think like since it stopped being broadcast on Speed Vision, I think when it swapped over to like these other terrestrial broadcasts, there were a bunch of weird glitches that kept happening. And the commercials were a huge problem for me. So I was just like, I threw my hands up and paid for the subscription. And I don't, unless Netflix offers, unless something that carries the broadcast offers the same type of coverage and the same type of peripheral package as F1 TV, I don't think I'd give up that subscription, especially now because I can watch it live on my big screen just by like popping on the app from my fire stick. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, but I get it. If, if people like, like yourself, if people who are like, I don't really want to subscribe to something new and have another thing that I'm paying for, I already have this one thing. And if Netflix covers it and they're not going to do an upcharge for live sports, which I think they probably will because Netflix has entered into tiered packages. So, yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple weird things. So Netflix, uh, just recently just had a giant hit to their stock price, which is like rattled the company to its core mm-hmm. in a pretty insane way. And they've canceled lots of plans. They've even started doing things like talking about incorporating advertising into yeah. the platform, which to me is, is a, is a horrific, uh, thing to think about. Um, but on the other side of it, you know, I think of Netflix as a technology company first. They're one of the biggest technology companies yeah. in the United States, so much so that the term for your your average for your big tech companies in the United States is FANG, F-A-A-N-G, for Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. They are oh, just wow. one of those top five titans of of tech and they've got a tremendous resources they've also been dabbling in interactive programming they played with the sort of like black mirror choose your own adventure bandersnatch uh concept a while back and i would love to think that the formula one broadcast is 
a really prime opportunity for, you know, them going deeper into let's redefine broadcast sports by making it more interactive and doing many of the things that the F1 TV, you know, setup already, already does, like being able to jump between different camera feeds or being able to toggle between literally instead of like, you know, changing the language of subtitle, you would just be switching between sky sports and, you know, I've, I've, uh, uh, you know, been thinking like, oh man, it'd be great to bring back, uh, Bob Varsha and David Hobbs and, and yeah. Steve Mashit and, and whatnot and have those guys in the mix and just have all of these different options or, or opportunities mixed in, you know, to make a big impact on how the, how the sport is broadcast. And we're seeing other entities in the streaming space starting to get into broadcast sports. Apple just started doing yeah. uh, some major league baseball games on apple tv and they've i mean it's still somewhat familiar but it does still feel like uniquely different that like oh wow it's like a completely different approach to the broadcast graphics and to the you know the data that they show on screen and and whatnot so i think there's 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 some interesting opportunities to get in here and kind of shake up the way the sport is presented. And I mean, at at the same time, I'm also just thankful that like with Liberty media at the helm, we have good things that have been happening in general in terms of the broadcast. I mean, in the Bernie years, formula one was about five years behind every other major sporting event in going HD. Right. And like, you know, I would love to just see them keep, pushing that stuff uh another thing that i noticed if you watch drive to survive and sorry i'm geeking out super hard on no no on no, this, this stuff. johnny um, this is a, a down week we don't have a race and this is what people hey folks so, you listen you tuned in listen to us nerd out about f1 through <laughs> our perspective so this is what we got and I, so and I love I, this uh, johnny so like yeah let's hear it i so i i've uh i've spent uh the majority of my career doing a lot of work in animation and i'm very finely tuned into the way things the way things move and react on a screen or even to the point of like the frame rate at which things play back or the you know the frequency at which a screen refreshes as motion is appearing now, on the screen as on. a sequence sure. of still images so, so I, I don't want to jump too deep into the nerddom here because uh, I understand a lot of this, <laughs> this, this shorthand, but s- some people may not. So when you say animation, what do you mean by animation, Johnny? Because there, that is a uh, very nuanced thing. And when you say it, people have ideas of what it is, and that is not what you're sure, about. sure. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I've done, I've done all, almost every different kind of animation, but particularly been yes. focused on uh, motion gra- motion graphics, uh, yeah. which is particularly like the way that graphic design elements may animate during uh you know a television broadcast or a title sequence in a film or a music video or or things of of that nature so and like so text and uh, images moving around on a screen text, in, text in and images moving around on a screen like the actual images it's stuff that's usually like overlaid or like moving around on the screen uh or appearing well, or disappearing or or yeah well just um, just, just through that, having but. Yeah, and and just through having experience with this, I'm really sensitive to uh, frame rate and like yeah. smoothness of motion and whatnot. 
And so when we watch a broadcast on in HD on ESPN, mm-hmm. it is broadcast to us at uh, 30 frames per second, or technically it's it's literally, I'll go super geek for you, it's 29.97 frames per second. It's 30 frames per second. Um, there is a, a lot of race footage in the Drive to Survive series that is presented at 60 frames per second, which is inherently smoother, slicker. And, you know, to me, that means that the races are being, and I don't know how it's actually broadcast in the UK directly on Sky Sports. If, if customers there are seeing it at 60 frames per second, or if they're seeing exactly what we see on ESPN at, at 30. So, but again, there's like I a gotta, smoother, gotta, clearer. We gotta, yeah. we gotta stop. We gotta stop down and get into yeah, the, yeah, please, some please. of the technical speak. So you're saying frames per second and smoothness in the way that you're viewing. So when we're saying that, uh, like the frame rates that we're talking about here are literally like images per second that appear on screen. And kind of what what your brain and what your eyes do as you're viewing this is it does the math between the images that are flashing on screen and does this version of like, your brain will animate these still images that are being presented at 30 frames per second. But what John is talking about is something that's adding literally doubling the frame rate per second. So your processing in your brain is a lot quicker and a lot smoother. So things do appear to move in a much more elegant and a much more natural way versus like and, and it's interesting or digitized because, or pixelated. And and not just that, it's interesting because the way our brain tends to comprehend a smoother frame rate isn't mm-hmm. so much that like, oh, it feels smoother. It's just that everything feels more detailed, crisper, sharper, cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, most people so, yeah, don't yeah. like this in, in film. People don't yeah. like watching films that are too smooth because we're so used to film, which is actually not even 30 frames per second, but is 24 frames per second. It's more almost stuttery. And we've just kind of associated that sensation with like, oh, this means film. This means Martin Scorsese and Christopher Nolan. And when you see stuff that's too smooth, your your brain goes towards like, oh, this feels cheap. This feels like a soap opera. This feels yes. you know, it's literally uh, the death that like what it feels like to watch something. And this was like brought about with like HDTVs when you'd see something, if you've heard of a term yeah. called motion smoothing. And when you have to turn motion smoothing off on your TV for film and television, it makes things look more natural and normal because that's what our brains are kind of like keyed into watching. They've like evolved right. to uh, to ingest images that way. But live sports, if they're smooth, they look better. Like because it they does. look better and it feels yeah, and because it's because it's reality and it's not this yes. sort of like fictional painting, you know, being presented to you uh, as a as a creation. So. Uh, all long-winded way of saying, you know, like I, I would like to think that Netflix coming on board, we would see broadcasts potentially in 4K, yeah. see them at a higher frame rate, see them maybe uh, presented with like HDR, uh, which means that you get uh, a, a bigger range of colors and particularly brightness mm-hmm. appearing on your screen. And it may actually be an even more optimal experience than we currently receive. Uh, yeah. Particularly if you're watching it over like 
a cable box getting a, uh, a you know your h your espn signal gets a ton of video compression on it and everything on netflix gets compression too but they're able to sometimes mitigate it or optimize it especially yeah. if you got a fast connection and all that so uh you know for me super geeking out over here but like could be a finer or higher quality actual could be. product that we yeah. could get uh, if it was on Netflix and, uh, you know, to some extent, Amazon as well. But I my feeling is that uh, Netflix would commit much more intensely to it. I do also think Netflix is a better platform for continuing to disperse this, you know, into American culture more so yeah. than it than it already has, because even ESPN's a great platform, but still Formula One is pretty much relegated to like. You know, after bowling, well, we'll, uh, this is the thing is that's that's the deterrent is it's like people if you say like, hey, I'm going to turn on ESPN to watch the race. There is this connotation of like sports and like that's like I get it. And I, I as someone who like grew up playing sports and who is who lives in the world of like comedy and nerdum i have to like just deal with the fact that people are they have an, a natural some people a lot of people have a natural aversion to sports and having to like sit down and watch something on a sports network can feel a bit daunting can feel a little bit like uh and i get that so having it on netflix is savvy be, being up to like the most date on what is up on Netflix, what is happening on Netflix. There is a cultural bias that we all have to that where we're like, oh yeah, this is actually like a cool thing. It has become a water cooler type thing where you talk about what's streaming on Netflix. So I can get that as far as access and as far as people just naturally watching it who might otherwise not tune into ESPN or want to get an ESPN network or a package or access to that, then, yeah, I mean, I, I get that Netflix is probably the best avenue. Uh, but maybe Apple TV can slip in there too. Amazon Sports is also already an established and up and running thing. And I know that they're, I've never watched anything on Amazon Sports, but I know that they do have infrastructure for that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but let's uh, let, let's let's talk uh, specifically about some F one, uh, some non uh, nerdy broadcast stuff. Uh, just getting caught up. Well, I guess we could still kind of talk a little bit about some of the nerdy broadcast stuff. But um, <laughs> let's uh, let, let's talk about the fact that Sergio did resign for his new contract. Yep. So he that, did. That did happen. Uh, which which kind of set on set set some dominoes into 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 effect. Um, I know that there was also Yoss Verstappen um, posted something on his son's website. Uh, yeah, what what was this? I, I actually missed some of this, and I just saw uh, some dirty some dirty sh coming from Yoss's direction. Yeah. and I didn't get I didn't get that deep into it. What? Tell, give me the rundown here. So uh, I, I don't I'm, I don't have the the exact quote in front of me, but I'll paraphrase what Yoss said. It was that Red Bull basically threw away ten points on Sergio on letting Sergio win, on not prioritizing Max's race, which 
It's Monaco, dude. First of all, it's Monaco. So Max did not qualify at the front of the pack. He didn't. He just didn't. He qualified fourth. That that's that's the truth of the matter. He had a weaker weekend. Sergio qualified better than him and then ended up performing better in the race than him. And through luck of the draw, ended up being in the position on track at the end of the race. So I don't understand what they mean by trying to prioritize Max's race more than they did. Uh, he ended up third anyways, so it's not like he didn't get a podium. He still was ahead of his primary championship rival. So I don't. it's literally just him being a shithead, being himself and being like, you're choosing to let this Mexican driver prioritize my good little dutch boy my like purebred racer like it's it, it just my dutch boy it just smacks of that and that that's right. every everything I, he else I, does just color is colored by his prettiness so yeah can i can i steer us back into the the hollywood style drama <laughs> yeah, let's, let's uh, go immediately yeah. um <laughs> So this is our, our episode is formula one Hollywood style. Uh, oh, yes. So <laughs> all right. how that's many episode title I have to, uh, that's it. How, how long until we see a max and Yoss blowout? We see father and son splitting apart and parting ways as his son is now clearly significantly more successful than he ever was in his yep. career yet he is still a strong guiding force a almost manager like presence in his career and i mean i remember it was basically it was i think it was after right around hamilton's second championship that mm -hmm. he and his father had the same exact kind of blowout and he yep. straight up fired his father as his manager. Yeah. And it was very you know, and it took it was nasty. Took yeah. prob took probably a season and a half for that to sort of like smooth over and they're still, you know, they and by they, that they I recovered. Like, like you mean like Hamilton took like a season and a half to recover from that and yeah. to win a championship again. Cause I think that the year he fired his dad, he did not win the championship. Uh that yeah. was like no 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 the, he did he he did not. It was it was in one of his off years. Yeah, uh, or yeah. I think it was early early Mercedes days. Like, or yeah, maybe twenty fourteen. No, he won in twenty fourteen. But anyways, he did not win the championship the year he fired his dad, and that was like I think that we're probably seeing the 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 initial the the opening salvo of that same fracturing with max and his father yeah because i mean that that sort of thing's gotta i mean you know there's yeah. a degree to which i think max is deeply intensely driven by his father but i think there's also got to be moments like this that probably irk max in the same way and that max is probably like yeah i feel the same exact way dad don't publish it out there in the media. You know, what the hell's wrong with website. you? Like, why yeah. would you put it on my, like, if you want to make a statement, make a statement to the media, but don't publish it on the Verstappen racing website. I get that they share the same last name, but that does make it look like that was cleared by Max in some way, that that was an okay thing 
for him yeah. to put. And then Max just couldn't say it. So he was letting his dad speak for him. Like that is not a good, that's not a good look. And it can't have felt good for Max to have his father speak basically on his behalf uh, in a negative way about, about his teammate who quite literally the week before that was prioritized. Like they prioritized yeah. Max over him in a very unfair way. <laughs> and like, oh, wow, come on, dude. You can't, you, it, it just. It, I mean, it was, it was, and it was, it was a beautiful moment. And I think it's, I think it's even more beautiful that Yasser Verstappen is the one person who, like, literally the only person who's just like, I hate your Cinderella story. <laughs> yeah. Is, you know, there's literally no one that was unhappy about, uh, no. about, about Sergio's in, win. Including in, in Max. And I, like yeah. including Max it, at no point did it look like Max was putting on a brave face because his teammate was winning. It was like, no, my teammate was better than me. And quite frankly, I have to imagine that Max, like he said it last. I mean, he said it, he was like, Checo's an amazing teammate. That's not what you want to hear from your teammate in Formula One. You don't want to hear your teammate complimenting you on being a good teammate. You, <laughs> at no t- Because that means that, They've prioritized your race over theirs. And like, that is never what any teammate wants to hear or like see spoken about them publicly. Uh, They want to know they're a good teammate and that they're willing to sacrifice their race if need be. But the fact that Red Bull clearly made the decision to be like, we are prioritizing you over Sergio. Not even like not even letting Max naturally win that race, which I think he would have done anyways. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think that he, I don't think Sergio would have won in Barcelona. I just don't. I think Max was going to win that race no matter what, but they just made it very obvious. And it was nice to see it rebutted this week uh, or last week naturally by Sergio. And Yas is just such a kid. He just really is. You know, there's no, there's no getting around. Uh, so that, that was great to see uh that Yas got such a huge pushback from everyone being like hey dude shut up <laughs> uh, be happy for Sergio including Christian uh Christian Horner put out a statement a couple of days ago or maybe it was yesterday where he was like we have two championship drivers yeah we just want a Red Bull to win the championship we want to win the constructors we do not care which one of them wins that's like such a, a resounding rebuff to what Yoss put out earlier this week. I mean, well, I, I believe Christian Horner's statement was something to the effect of like, let's be clear, the name of the team is not Max Verstappen Racing. Yeah. It's Red not. Bull Racing. It's not. And it never, until Max decides to start his own F1 team. It won't ever be Max Verstappen racing. It will always be Red Bull racing, and it should be. I mean, that's that's how this works. Uh, the same with, like, Mercedes. You would never look at it and be like, oh, this is Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes. It's like, no, it's always going to be AMG. Mercedes, AMG, all the way through. Same with Red Bull, same with Ferrari, same with every other uh, constructor. It should never be a racer prioritized over the race team. Uh, that is just so backwards and antithetical to the sport uh but yeah that was that that was nice to see that was rebuffed by christian and also nice to see that it was uh it was reinforced by signing sergio 
and like publicly being like, oh yeah, we signed him until uh, the end of 2024. Um, mm-hmm. Still not as long as Max's contract, which is fine. That's totally fine. Uh, but it's nice that Sergio got re-signed. Uh, also, one more thing on Red Bull before we move on. I was watching a technical analysis about Red Bull and the way that they've dealt with porpoising and saw something so cool. Uh, they're so smart. They are so smart the way that they technically designed that car. So they quite literally on the bottom of the floor near the back where it would flex and touch the ground and create that like separation of air that would create porpoising. They put little like basically like ice skates on the floor, like metal skates so Hmm. that the floor never can physically touch the ground. So it always maintains that like extremely tiny pocket of air. Uh, so that like it doesn't create enough friction or drag to disrupt the the airflow, but it creates just enough separation of the floor uh, and the ground, so that like porpoising never happens. That's so that I mean, doesn't that have an a impact on like the technical ride height or something like that? I wonder how that because under I guess because it it maintains that same uh, because the the floor does not. Uh, flex when it's or does not flex past a certain point uh, under load it doesn't violate any of the technical rules it's just quite literally as like a precautionary just in case that's like how they've like gotten it in under the rules Uh, so I don't know of any other team that has done that but in essence they've created a floating floor because they have that like spring damper at the front so that when the floor and the plank makes contact it like raises the front of the floor up a little bit so that it's not like jamming into the the actual track, but it also has these like skates on the back of it that kind of keep it from like touching totally in the back and ruining that air seal. It's just so smart. Uh, they're so smart. Red Bull, their their design team is brilliant, and uh, I gotta take my hat off to them every time because um, they. Mm-hmm. In ways, they like come up with ways that are so obvious and so elementary that every other brilliant engineer has like gone past it because they just haven't even considered the simplest fix. And like Red Bull is just so good at figuring out the simplest fix, like riding their car with a ton of rake in the previous era. It's just like, oh no, we just make the car more of a wing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, isn't everyone going to do that? And everyone else was like, no, (laughs) we've... No, we didn't think of that because, like, we thought of we thought of everything else, but we didn't think of the most obvious thing, which is just tilt the car forwards a little bit. <laughs> like, what the? F- uh, so, yeah, uh, hats off to Red Bull. But yeah, uh, any anything else uh, happened this week in in F one? I know we talked a ton about Red Bull and a ton about their issues. What else? What else you got? Not, not. Not much else. The only other thing I'll touch on, and this is another. Uh, tangentially formula one thing uh mm-hmm. is that the uh mercedes amg group mm-hmm. uh formerly uh f- sorry finally revealed the production version of their amg one oh, yeah. road car i saw that which is it's a really, really wild. I think it's uh, it's like something like two point five million dollar 
mm-hmm. uh, car. They're going to make 200 of them. It is a street legal car, not street legal enough to be sold in the United States. Uh, but of I'm course. sure there's some billionaires that will figure out some uh, customs shenanigans in order to get their hands on on one. But effectively, what they are saying, and I'm going to treat this as a whole bunch of smoke and mirrors, but they are trying to say <laughs> that this is a road car that has the Formula One engine in the car. And oh, the I'm, actual I'm pretty, I think I think that's, I, I call shenanigans on, on that. I'm pretty certain that it is n- nowhere near being the actual Formula One road car, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure there's like some aspects of it that are very similar. You know, they're using uh, a hybrid system. It's a you know, it's a turbo six cylinder and and all of that. And I'm sure it's loosely you know blueprinted after the Formula One engine. Yeah. But I'm I'm sure there's many 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 conceits that they have to go through in order for it to be uh running on the road i mean considering that this is a car that yeah, you not, are in theory supposed to be able safe. to walk out to your garage and start it up and drive out and not have a team of engineers slowly bring it up to operating temperature and like you know all of that sort of crazy stuff nonetheless really wild vehicle pretty pretty crazy um pretty crazy piece of piece of kit out yep. there. Uh, I'm not, I'm not wild about the looks of it. I feel like they could have done a little better on the, the design of it when it comes to these things. But, uh, at the end of the day, you know, the proof is going to be in the, in the lap times. I'll be curious to see if they like take it out to the Nürburgring to, you know, which seems to be the standard for super exotic road cars and see yeah. what it's capable of. And, you know, it'll be fun to see, uh, you know, Lewis Hamilton driving around in his own personal version of it that is gifted to him at some point or or whatnot. Yeah. It even has like the uh like the shark's fin on the back of it, uh, that has like the AMG look from the the silver arrows from last year when they were painted yep. black and had like the silver gradiated uh black to silver look. Uh, they have like this like cool paint job on it. Yeah, it's it's really it's really dope looking. Uh, and it seems as though uh, I mean, not really. I I like the look. Uh, I think it does look kind of retro in a way. Uh, in 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 its design, like it's not overly uh, aerodynamically aggressive. It doesn't have that same look as like most hypercars do nowadays. Uh. But maybe that's just going like, yeah, to look like the Valkyrie. <laughs> um, well, the I mean, to me, the Valkyrie's pretty. The Valkyrie ain't exactly pretty, but it's really extreme. And yes. to me, what I love about the Valkyrie is that there's an enormous amount of like negative space within the body and areas where they've just been like, yeah, is there a engine or a human body there? then cut it away and make it just like another channel for air to flow through the car. Like I, I kind of wish that for the spirit of this idea, this concept of them saying that this is like their formula one car, but street legal somehow, I wish that it felt a little more as though they like 
took a plate of, you know, steel or aluminum or whatever and just melted it over the Formula One car so that it still felt like, yeah, yeah, they wrapped it a little bit better. It should be like the Formula One car, like, uh, with a with a wet T-shirt thrown on top of it, yeah, and uh, and and that should be the you know to me that would be the way to the way to do it to make it you know just to drive home that promise and you know it's what what they have now I feel like it's kind of like a wonkier version of like the McLaren F1 road car, or, yeah, or, or like, like the that. it's well I I was just gonna say like it it could have been like the Senna where like the Senna was just ugly like deliberately yeah, ugly yeah. The, and i kind of loved that because the, I like, the valkyrie I, looks elegant but the senna's like just like, yeah oh that's an ugly car <laughs> the, the senna i almost wish they went just a little bit uglier with the I mean, senna too. like i felt like yeah i felt like it was like they, they've hit some sort of uncanny valley where it still felt like it was just like a mistake like it still felt like well if it had to be like you know if it had to be this way for the purpose of aerodynamics, then like, well, why aren't there a whole bunch of other flaps and winglets and like little yeah. make, yeah. make that back wing, like just make that wing look like the, <laughs> make it, make it look like one of like the nineties F1 cars, just like ugly with yeah. bolts on it. Like who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. It is a little too smooth looking. Uh, the Senna, it could have literally more like bolts and like metal, things uh, but i'm I'm with you i mean i like the idea i like the concept and even as a as a designer as someone who's obsessed with you know the aesthetics of these things i do like the idea of like intentional ugliness yes also being a statement of just saying like yeah we weren't trying to make something good looking we were trying to make something that was the most efficient in the wind tunnel and mm-hmm. nothing else and this this won the wind tunnel tests as opposed to the 35 other pretty sketches that we had yeah yeah which uh so that that kind of we'll we'll, we'll pivot real quick here to to wrap up uh to mercedes uh mercedes is hopefully going to look a little bit stronger uh, in Baku than it did in Monaco, even though it was at the top of the midfield again in, uh, in, in Monaco, they definitely were, were nipping at the heels of, of Ferrari and Red Bull. But because of the nature of that track, they had to set the car higher again, so they couldn't get the best performance out of it. And ideally with Baku, they'll be able to set it a little bit lower and get some of that aerodynamic uh, uh, efficiency back. But they definitely were, were suffering a lot in Monaco. Uh, but they know what they they know why they were suffering, which is like, mm-hmm. oh, what, what, a, what a horrible place to be is being like, well, at least they understand why they weren't good. Uh, that's yeah. not what I want to be saying. At least we understand the suck. Oh, yeah. what a, what a, what a horrible place to have settled into uh, a third of the way through this season. But I do think that we will see Mercedes rebound. And I think, especially with the way that George is willing to drive on these streets, on these street circuits, I think that Mercedes will probably fare well in in Azerbaijan uh, on the Baku street circuit. So that's that is I got my fingers crossed for that. And also Lewis 
almost certainly won't be stuck behind. Well, not even almost certainly. He will not be stuck behind Fernando Alonso uh, on the Monaco circuit, which even more news came out and more interviews came out. And Fernando was just loving that he had Lewis behind him. It was, he really, yeah. he loved it and said it was easy to keep him behind him. And it's just like a, oh. uh, I respect you, Fernando, but like, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick about this stuff. I mean, I know you're a, a pompous world champion Formula One driver with a, with a short person complex. I have the utmost respect for you still, but like, don't don't do that. Don't. I I say let let old man Fernando have his have his fun while he's still sticking around. You I know. Yes. Yeah. I guess he's, uh, he's keeping he's keeping himself entertained. Yeah. Until Oscar Piastri goes, hey, um, what are you doing? That's my seat. And swoops in there uh, in a couple of years, but anyways, uh, that that yeah. was that was that was a little upsetting. But uh, it's it's looking like we've we've got we've got a, a nice little nice little lead up into Azerbaijan coming this week. Uh, that is going to be a, a fairly warm circuit. It's getting a little bit warmer there in uh, in what is is that technically the Middle East still, or is that getting into the Far East at that point? I guess it depends. Oh, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's Middle East. But still kind of Middle East, right? Uh so yeah, it's it's uh, apparently hot there already and it's going to continue to get hotter before they head back to the European circuits and then it's going to be smoldering hot in the UK when they get back uh to Silverstone eventually. But we've got uh Azerbaijan coming up where where do you think let's let's throw some predictions out there who do you think is going to uh show up this coming weekend Johnny I think we're going to hear a super frustrated Max on the radio at some mm-hmm. point that's okay. one prediction okay I think we're going to maybe see a little more heat and frustration coming from Charles I think if, uh yeah if if Ferrari doesn't get their their I think even I think even if things are going all right I think we might be seeing we might have seen the end of his super cool calm demeanor maybe things might start getting a little more tense for him um and I'm going to say that we're going to see George Russell on the podium excellent and I would I would love to see Lewis up there with him but I'm I'm skeptical that that we'll get a chance to see that happen. Yeah, I think Lewis has had uh, uh, some some bad luck there. I think this this is a bit of a long shot, maybe some wishful thinking. But I would like to see Lewis on the the podium again. Um, yeah. Maybe see George on the podium as well, but definitely see Lewis in there. And I would like to see Carlos win a race because I think Ferrari took that race win away from him last week and that was unfortunate um they took it away from him and they took it away from Charles. and i think that ferrari has a lot to prove as an organization this coming weekend i think that Mm -hmm. they need to run the most tightest ship possible Uh, i understand that wild stuff happens but they really cannot afford any reliability mistakes and i know that 
that was like it was said that I mean, let's was, face it, they've 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 been the laughing stock of the Formula One community yeah. for the last week. Yeah. Because of their performance in Monaco and it's and brought up been. like all, all I've seen, yeah, and all I've seen everywhere is like tons of statements saying like same old Ferrari, here's a bunch of video clips of every other time that they've screwed yep. up in the last decade. Look at them. They're a bunch of clowns. They, you know, they've only been fortunate to have very adequate drivers. Uh, I've seen lots of statements along the lines of like, it's a miracle that Michael Schumacher was able to win races with that clown team, you know, behind him and whatnot. I, I, people, yeah. people, I, I don't, I don't buy into all of that necessarily. No, no. But, uh, but, but people are 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 coming after coming after Ferrari pretty it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I'd say the thing that like hit me the hardest with the 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 anti Ferrari propaganda uh, in the F one community was seeing someone Photoshop uh, Charles' head onto uh, Max's body in the Red Bull uh, racing suit. And I was like, ooh, mm. that, that is like, you, you, can't, you can't really deny that if he was on another team that they would have taken that win away from him the way that Ferrari did. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Ferrari has a, a lot to prove this coming week. So they, they need to win this race. They need to win this race, uh, uh, and I don't know if they will. I would love, I would love to see. Even though I want to see somebody from Mercedes win this, I want to see Sergio win in Baku. I want to see him win uh, this this race. Mm. Uh, I want to see him get back to backs just to see Yoss's blood boil, uh, and he gets like banned from posting on the Verstappen Racing website because he just like has like a paragraph long scrawl of anger yep. and profanity. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be pretty rad. I would love to see him just like blow up in the paddock super hard, and yeah. uh, them have to like treat him like an overly aggressive parent at a little league game where they're just like, sir. Have you been drinking? You need to. You need to go. You need to leave. Yeah, yeah you need to. You need to leave the premises. Pushed, um, pushed, forcibly removed. Pushed through the turnstile uh, of the paddock, so he has to like go back out with the rest of uh, general population. Um, yep. Not kicked off, the sir. Car. You're the reason that next season there's going to be a whole bunch of new rules. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not impossible. Uh, not impossible to think that Red Bull will make reactive policies uh based on Yoss's behavior going forward. Um but yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see Sergio win a race. I'd like to see uh Carlos in second place and maybe see Lewis in third. Uh Ferrari can't afford any reliability. Um Corey, I, uh, this just prompted like a question in my mind. Do you think that there is like in like the I don't know, I want to say I, like the Dallas Cowboys stadium was like the first one to have like in stadium jail, right? Do you think there's like a a, a super fancy white collar prison system within the paddock club for like when, you know, for when some Silicon Valley entrepreneur billionaire, you know, gets completely out of line and they have to like detain them? Do they have like a super cushy jail I, I- cell that they lock them up in? I want to think that it's like uh, because it's like because it's F one uh, and because it's in the paddock club that it has something to do with like putting someone in like a hyperbaric chamber 
uh, and like restraining them <laughs> in like this, this like oxygen, uh, oxygen rich environment that just like preserves their life and makes it as comfortable uh, and rejuvenating as possible, but also like restrains them. <laughs> It's probably some technology that like the rest of the world doesn't even know exists that like yeah. instantly sobers up the person, you know, like yep. it just like immediately like it's like, you know, the the people that when they're hung over in Vegas, they go and, you know, spend $200 to get an IV of, of fluids pumped into them. You know, yep. It's, yep. it's the it's the equivalent of that. And then they're just like, there you go. And you're, you know, mm-hmm. and the person's like, oh, wow, never felt better. This is yeah. great. And they're like, all right, now get back out there and drink some more champagne. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, that's, I assume that there is some sort of unbelievably fancy jail or 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 restraining room or cell. With that's like, got to be a and and you know you you are you have a history in dealing with difficult people out of line, maybe feeling a bit too big for their britches uh, uh for those of you in the audience who aren't aware uh during our our uh our our youthful years Corey was the most diplomatic bouncer uh at a number of fine establishments and i mean i've never seen a guy master the art of uh you know friendly like <laughs> uh, let's not, you know, let's not turn this into a whole thing. And while like all of your colleagues, like pri- pr- you know, were uh, very, you know, happy to just, you know, and, and I mean, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you, mm-hmm. you've had your, your, your nasty moments and, and whatnot, but I've yes, never seen anyone so eloquently be able to turn an ugly situation <laughs> into a like, Let's just let's just saunter out of here yep, so that we yep. don't have to make a huge scene out of this. And yeah. we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take you out to the sidewalk, buddy. Come with, yeah. come with me, I because was, otherwise, I it's gonna. Myself on this, yeah. It was there was there was a, a major lot of, major fiasco. There was a lot of like uh, while like smiling um, and walking someone out, um, firmly having my hand in a place that was like usually unseen and maybe even a little bit uncomfortable for them. Uh, and like whispering into their ear as I was like smiling at people being like, I'm going to, I will make you look so stupid in front of all your friends. You don't want to look stupid in front of your friends. Do you? I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get sweaty. It's, uh, this is going to suck for all of us, but it's going to suck for you way worse. Cause you're probably going to get arrested at the end of this. And they would usually like, I feel them just like relax into me and be like, all right, good. I got this person. I understand. They understand that this is, we're just going to walk out of here and they're going to be able to come back and no one's going to have to get punched in their mouth. Uh, including myself. Ugh. God, as a bouncer, it sucked. Uh, I- maybe, maybe you could head up some sort of Formula One paddock club uh, security task force because oh. I, 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 I'm now obsessed with this. I'm going to keep coming back to this. I think in the future there has to be some sort of insane scenarios yes. that have gone down within the paddock club uh, that have to be mitigated and there has to be you know some sort of you know, Somebody, team that are yeah. very very fluent in figuring out how do you how do you neutralize the most uh you know the, the most the privileged Prince people of on Monaco, the planet uh yeah. when he like gets rowdy and tries to hit someone with one of the champagne bottles with his name on it uh yeah 
Yeah. Yep, like yep. how how do you tell him to calm down in his own principality um, mm-hmm. w- without being thrown in jail yourself? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. And so that's 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 what's printed on the cover of the manual. It's just how to calm down someone in their own in their, principality. In their I own principality. Uh, so let's let's, yes. let's 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 get to that question. Uh, do we think that F one stock has uh, has gone up? Has stayed the same? or has plummeted this past week here in the United States of America. I'm going to say the numbers are are crystal clear and accurate. Uh it was 5 million dollars last season. Yeah. And I, I I've been going deeper into this. that 70 million dollar figure is the opening bid. Oh. That's where damn. we're at. So we're at 14 and times what it was the last time at the opening bid. At the opening bid, Ooh. and uh, Liberty Media has stated previously that their expectation is that the rights will sell for a hundred million dollars. Now, I, I and and I'm sure that this this data is readily available, but I would love to see what like the broadcast what like it costs for uh, Fox to carry the World Series or uh, for like right. ABC to carry the Super Bowl or something like that. Like those broadcast rights in comparison to the broadcast rights for F1. I guess it would be spread out differently because we're talking about broadcast rights for an entire season versus like a series of games or a specific championship game. So I guess that the 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 numbers wouldn't necessarily be comparable, but still, I mean, that's like, that has to be up there uh, or like the Stanley cup or something like that. Whoever, whoever gets to cover that. Uh, is that CBS? I can't remember who gets to cover this stuff. I'm, I'm looking up some insane numbers for NFL and it is on a completely different plane yeah. altogether. Yeah. It is like, we're, we're talking, um, multi hundreds of millions of dollars for, yeah. you know, to, to, to air whatever number of games, you know, not have exclusive control over the entire season, but to have, you know, X amount of it. Um, yeah. and it, there are multiple, it's multi, multi-year deals that are crossing $1 billion. But it's um, also different because you've got multiple teams playing multiple games on the same day that are being broadcast on the right. same network and different networks and different or in. Net- That's true. It is. It is a lot more. Yeah. It's a lot more events. Um, yeah. But yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an indicator, you know, we're still nowhere, you know, we're, we're not. It's not at the five point million where, dollars for an entire season, like for Christ's yes. sake. Yes, like yeah, and we're there's there's still a lot of headroom between you know, uh, baseball, basketball, and football in the United States, right? Um, right. But uh, the the gap is certainly it's it's closing, and uh, you know it's a huge step forward from where they were previously, and even in going through some of the remarks, you know, formula one was even sort of a little, like, uh, they haven't, you know, they haven't made a comment on ESPN's offer aside from them saying like, well, the increase in popularity of the sport has actually made our previous deal with them an exceptionally good deal for ESPN. Like they got, they've been, they, they got hooked up this yes. past season and yes. even the season before. So 
it's uh it's a it's an interesting thing i'll be following it and be curious to check in on it but that's my long-winded way of saying like yeah the stock went up it yeah. went from well, it like, went up four, 14 times you know it was like it, it, like something like i think that that was like the viewership of like the miami grand prix in the u.s alone was like five million people or something like that so it's like yeah Oh, okay. So literally each viewer that you got at one Grand Prix is like the equivalent of what you paid for the broadcast rights of every Grand Prix for a 23 race season. That is bananas. Uh, So Mm -hmm. yeah, congrats to ESPN on all of your success up until now. Uh, It is a shame that we will not see F1 on you next year, but hey, Netflix, uh, Amazon Sports or Apple TV, show up, show us what you got. Uh, Give me a reason to cancel my F1 TV subscription. If you give me a reason, I will go to something else, but uh, I'm still... I mean, I have watched all the races already on F1 TV, so I don't know if I necessarily need nice. it anymore. But uh, I'll, I'd still like to go back and rewatch uh, some stuff and, and go back and watch some movies and things that are added and documentaries. Well, uh, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. I'm excited yeah. to see what what happens. And I, you know, I like that even just this is a topic of discussion to me speaks to the you know, the, the continued enthusiasm and excitement around the, the sports expansion in the United States. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah, I think that stock, uh, went continued to go through, uh, like steadily increased in value, maybe not moonshotting, maybe not like, Oh my God, look at that. (laughs) But like you said, if you look back at last year and you look at it this year, the stock is like, there's no other way of parsing that data. Uh, we've gone through the roof and we will continue to grow. So uh, looking forward to Baku. Uh, Johnny, where can the folks find you online? Hit me up anytime uh, via Twitter. My handle's at Johnny Motion. Corey, where can the folks find you? They can track me down at Burn Corey Burn on all the social media networks, and you can uh, get in touch with us at the F1 Files on Twitter, as well as the F1 Files on Reddit. Oh, folks, thank you so much for listening in and uh, enjoying us nerding out on broadcasting and frame rates and just this flying graphics and yeah. media rights. Uh, this is the stuff that is also equally as fascinating to uh, folks like John and I. But uh, thanks for for deep diving with us this week on the F1 Fire. <laughs>